0: Welcome to the Common Good Podcast, the podcast that showcases the very best of Glasgow Caledonian University and how the institution, its staff and its research benefits people and communities both at home and overseas. My name is Craig Telfer and today I am joined by Dr Elena Demova, a research fellow at GCU to discuss her research into why alcohol labelling should use negative health warnings, similar to those found in cigarette packets, and how this could help people change their drinking habits. Elena, it is fantastic to have you on the show. It's great to speak to you.
1: Thank you. It's great being here.
0: Excellent. I'm really looking forward to talking to you about this. And I want to kick things off with just a very broad question. Can you outline your research to, to us? What is it you were looking at?
1: My background is in psychology, and more specifically health psychology, which is concerned with understanding people's behaviour and promoting healthier lifestyle. My research looks at reducing alcohol-related harm using what we call population-wide strategies, such as alcohol labelling, but also understanding why such strategies may work for some
0: people but not for others. So what did you find then in the research?
1: So what we did was what we call a review of the evidence, we used very strict criteria to find studies from across the world looking at alcohol labeling and whether it's effective and whether it's effective in increasing people's knowledge of information on labels, but also in changing people's behavior. And we also looked at tobacco packaging and packaging of foods high in fat, sugar, and salt to see whether there's anything we we can learn from the labeling on these products. And we found that labels on the front of a package are more likely to be noticed by people. And similar to how we see on tobacco, negative warnings that link alcohol to specific diseases, such as breast cancer or throat cancer, are more likely to increase people's intentions to drink less. And also similar to foods high in fat, sugar, and salt. It would be important for alcohol labels to include information of units per serving and how this compares to the weekly recommended guidelines for drinking.
0: Excellent, it's very interesting. We'll, we'll take a look at the nuts and bolts in that just in a shortly, but let's look at why this is important. Why did you carry out the research? How big an issue is alcohol consumption within Scotland?
1: The first thing i need to say here is that the, the study wouldn't, wouldn't have been possible without Alcohol Focus Scotland, who are Scotland's national alcohol charity, and they have been mandating for alcohol labelling for a few years now. And it's important because it's just a strategy that can help reduce drinking in Scotland. And latest figures show that 24% of adults in Scotland drink at hazardous levels, which means they're, they're putting their health at risk. And of course, COVID has complicated this because now we know that a quarter of people are drinking more during lockdown.
0: So what are the consequences from drinking too much alcohol? This 25, almost 25%, one quarter of the population drinking too much alcohol. What are some of the negative consequences from this?
1: First of all, I want to actually explain what we mean by too much alcohol, Mm. so that the chief medical officers in the UK recommend not exceeding more than 14 units of alcohol per week, which is equivalent to six pints or 10 small glasses of wine a week. And drinking too much or drinking more than these 14 units has short-term consequences, such as violence and assault. But also long-term consequences such as brain damage, heart disease and different cancers of the throat, mouth and breast.
0: I'm thinking about how much alcohol I had to drink at the weekend there and it was certainly more than 14 units. Do you think that the Scottish public have a good knowledge and awareness about the consequences of drinking too much? I thought I was perfectly in moderation as to what I drink but now uh, you've got me slightly worried about my own (laughs) consumption there
1: people have some knowledge of harms, and especially harms such as liver problems. But it's a different question whether they think it's relevant to them. And I think this is complicated by the fact that there are so many harms people are not necessarily aware of, which are things like the different types of cancer. Alcohol is linked to at least seven types of cancer, including mouth, throat cancer, and breast cancer. So there are a lot of harms people are not necessarily aware of.
0: Okay, well, that's the last time I have a pint of beer then, I'll tell you that. Now, let's look at, take a look at the labelling itself. We've talked about the, the health warnings on cigarette packets, we've talked about the health warnings in certain types of foods, but what are the existing warnings on alcohol labels in Scotland?
1: Well, in Scotland, under the, under the, well, it's under the UK law, food and non-alcoholic drinks um, need to have nutritional information, and tobacco needs to have negative health warnings. Alcohol requires neither. What the government and alcohol industry have is a voluntary agreement where the alcohol industry pledged to include information on alcohol labels on units, drinking guidelines, and also a pregnancy warning, drinking during pregnancy. But this hasn't been happening. And there have been several reviews of labels on alcoholic products over the years, and they were done by the Alcohol Health Alliance. And they have all shown that the alcohol industry is failing consumers. So, for example, in 2020, the review found that only one out of 424 labels had a health warning on it, highlighting alcohol consumption is contributing to ill health. And over seven out of 10 labels didn't have an ingredients list on them.
0: That sounds absurd, considering that when you and I were talking when we were preparing this podcast, you said that something like a bottle of milk will have more warnings in its label than alcohol.
1: It's because that's that's what's mandatory, so they have to include nutritional information. With alcohol, the only thing that has to be included by law is the volume of the container, the strength of the drink, and also whether the the most common 14 ingredients people are allergic to are present. And that's it. So I would say it's the right time for for the Scottish government to to look at this and start thinking about mandating alcohol labelling and and for the example of other countries such as Ireland, for example, who in 2018 introduced health information legislation Mm -hmm. mandating the inclusion of health warnings and calorific information on alcohol labels.
0: So let's like, say we were to mimic what they're doing in the Republic of Ireland. What would the health warnings in Scotland look like? Would they be as graphic as the ones that we see on cigarette packets? You know, you see the consequences of smoking too much. You see like diseased livers, pretty, pretty nasty stuff. Would be bringing something similar onto alcohol, is that something that's viable?
1: This is a tricky question because alcohol is part of everyday life. It's just so ingrained in, in Scottish culture that it might be tricky to include graphic images because they're often perceived as too confronting and people might get defensive because we tend to associate alcohol with positive outcomes such as celebrations and and meeting friends, but definitely a negative statement that links alcohol to a specific disease is likely to reduce drinking.
0: So what's in the difference then between alcohol and cigarettes? As opposed then that, that alcohol is seen as socially acceptable where smoking isn't. Smoking's got a, a nasty smell. You've got the smoke, it, it sticks to you, it clings to you. I suppose is that the difference between the two?
1: Well, that, that's one, yeah. Just smoking is not really part of everyday life in the same mm-hmm. way alcohol is in terms of celebrating and meeting friends. But we also need to remember there, there have been different regulations in place for smoking for so long, such as banning smoking in public places. Mm-hmm and uh, tobacco being out of sight in shops, that all of these are starting to denormalise smoking yeah. in a way that it hasn't happened with alcohol. Although, you know, there are laws in Scotland about uh, alcohol, such as minimum unit pricing, mm-hmm. and restricting the times when alcohol could be sold.
0: So if Scotland was to bring in these measures, how effective do you think they would be? Would they actually deter people from drinking more?
1: So this is what our review found there's, there's clear evidence that negative measures, as I said earlier, that, that link alcohol to specific diseases, they have been shown to reduce drinking. And there are really good examples, real world examples from Canada, for example, that are very recent and show that when labels are well designed, they do in fact reduce population level alcohol consumption.
0: Let's talk about how you actually carried out the research. You were working alongside Danielle Mitchell from the University of Stirling. What was the process you both went through when you were putting this project together?
1: So what happened was that the funder, Alcohol Focus Scotland, they they had this uh, call for researchers to to do a study looking at alcohol labelling and also labelling on tobacco products and foods high in fat, sugar and salt. And we did what we call a review of the evidence. We just looked for studies from all over the world that have focused on labeling. And we brought all the information from these studies together and summarised it to, to answer our questions, which were, are alcohol labels effective? What makes labels effective? And what can we learn from the fields of tobacco and foods high in fat, sugar, and salt?
0: So what's the next stage for the project and how can we put this research into a practical context?
1: So as I said, alcohol Focus Scotland have been building evidence to help the Scottish Government inform their consultation on alcohol labelling in Scotland. And we are hoping that our studies, our study, in addition to other studies on labelling, will help the Scottish Government make the right decision and introduce mandatory alcohol labelling.
0: Now, Elena, tell me a bit about your background as an academic. Right at the start, you mentioned you're a health psychologist. So tell me about your journey to where you are at Glasgow Caledonia University.
1: So I started after, after finishing my master's in health psychology, I started working as a research assistant in the field of alcohol. And again, I was looking at reducing alcohol consumption in different groups. We're looking at women and how they drink with their friends and how the friendship groups contribute to this, contributes to this. We looked at trying to reduce drinking in, in men and more specifically disadvantaged men and also um, men who fall into the obese category. And then I did, I did my PhD, which looked at how specific events in people's lives may, may motivate them to change their behavior, such as drink less or be more healthy. And then that was, um, in finished in 2019, and that's when I joined GCU and basically continued developing my
0: research in the field of alcohol. So what are the next steps? Any other projects on the horizon?
1: Actually, I have published several papers in in July all looking at drinking among different groups. And we've looked at um, drinking in the context of fatherhood and how young fathers may change their drinking and how we can support young fathers to change their drinking better. We also looked at drinking among people who identify as LGBTQ+, and what alcohol interventions are likely to help. And also how alcohol services can help people who identify as LGBTQ+, to not only approach services, but also engage with them more. And I'm also involved in a study looking at the impact of minimum unit pricing on homeless and street drinkers.
0: You mentioned, given how ingrained drinking is within Scottish culture, it sounds like your research is more evolution than revolution to borrow a phase uh, from I'm Alan Partridge. But it sounds like that the, the, to, to implement this research and, and change it, this is a, a long process to achieve it.
1: It is a long process because um, a one-size-fits-all approach might not suit everyone. We need to remember that different people drink for different reasons. And it's important to understand what strategies work for some people and don't work for others, to be able to actually design effective strategies. And for example, when it comes to alcohol labelling, we know that the young people respond better to short-term risks of alcohol. so anything to do with short-term research as drink driving or sexual assault might be more effective in prompting young people to drink less.
0: Well, Elena, it has been thoroughly brilliant to talk to you. Thank you very much for your time today.
1: Thank you. It was great being here.
0: I'd also like to thank everyone for tuning into this episode and I hope you can join us again soon when we will be in conversation with another member of staff from Glasgow Caledonian University to discuss all the great work that's going on at the institution. In the meantime, make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and pretty much everywhere else. Until the next time, I've been Craig Telfer and this has been The Common Good Podcast.